Hello, everyone. Welcome to Weigh In Sports Talk on a special Thursday night. Sorry we had to miss last night, but we couldn't miss the show overall. We are seven days away from college football kickoff. Next Thursday night, we're going to we're gonna have college football, guys. I mean, we, we get a taste of it, Trey, with the NFL, you know, the preseason, as big of a taste as you can get or call it. But seven days from tonight, and Trey, I have to ask, are you feeling it yet? Oh, yeah, we're getting real close, starting real close. And Labor Day weekend is, you know, when really it's the big kickoff. You know, it's nice to know that the ball's right on the corner. I got Labor Day plans, so... You know, uh, going to be at the Alabama Virginia Tech game, so I'm getting excited. Man, I need you more enthused, man. You sound like Droopy, that cartoon character, man. I need you. <laughs> I need you pumped up, man. I need you pumped up about some college football, like I am. Seven days away, man. I mean, there's some big games next Thursday night. And uh, to keep you guys updated, real quick, let me give you the agenda tonight. And thank you for joining us. Michelle couldn't do the intro tonight, but. Hey, you have me instead. So we're going to start off, we're going to talk some current events, and we're going to break down the Florida State Seminoles out of the ACC. And we're going to do Alabama, the reigning champions, the two-time defending champions out of the SEC West. And interested to see what everybody's thoughts are on the Tide and the Seminoles. Trey, this is your team we're going to be discussing. So I'm sure you're excited about that. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. You know, Hoping to have us a uh, a guest coming on for the show, but I couldn't make it happen. And the guest that we had on last time, uh, for those of you who were listening to the show and were waiting for me to bring them on, they actually transferred to Notre, to Notre Dame, so I wasn't able to get them on, and I couldn't get the new Florida State guy on. So sorry for not having a, a guest for tonight for Florida State, but still, hopefully everybody calls in and joins us. I know I know Miklos has to be able to call in and get them back on Florida State. Yeah, that's like Crash Davis being demoted from the major leagues to the minors, man. I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> Notre Dame compared to Florida State, come on. There is no yeah, comparison. You know, yeah, so Trey, I mean, show, Tom Tom Loy is now covering uh, Notre Dame, so we'll have to have him on at some point this season. He's definitely uh, down for coming on the show still, uh, but obviously he's a beat writer for Notre Dame now for 24-7 sports, so... Uh, but you know, I, I think it's too possibly the motion as well. But <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully Tom Luganville is going to be on soon once the season gets started a little bit. Right now he's doing like a thousand interviews a day shows. So once it gets started a little bit, we're going to start getting some some analysts back on the show. But this time it's devoted to all the fans out there and us. I mean, this is what we love to do, guys. This is football, and and this is what makes those. Dog days of March we're doing, Trey, after the tournament in April. I mean, from April to now, this is what we live for, is football. And right now, with the Carolina Panthers are playing the defending Baltimore or defending champions in the Baltimore Ravens up 21-7. to Kind of surprising there a little bit. But, Trey, we're going to start off tonight in baseball. Just real quick, an update. You know, the Atlanta Braves up 15 games, but they're having some – some big losses on this team, and yesterday Jason Hayward gets nailed in the jaw, has to have surgery, and could miss the entire regular season. I don't think they're going to lose that 15-game lead, but tell us how this could affect the Atlanta Braves going into the postseason. Well, I mean, Jason Hayward, uh, for those who think he, or his impact isn't as great as it is, I mean, if you look at the numbers 
with him in the leadoff position versus him without or without being in the leadoff position, the Atlanta Braves' win-loss record and overall batting average is tremendously different. You're talking about you know 30, 40 points. And Jason Hayward is out for the regular season, Tarvin. I mean, that, that came out today. I mean, he is not going to play, and they're not even sure so far if he'll be back for the postseason. So we're talking about a key component. And it's like I told you before, you know, the Braves have a, a large lead, but it's still – we're not in September just yet. Uh, and, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, do I think they're going to blow this lead? I don't, Tarvin. But we're talking about a team now that's got to figure out some ways to – really produce runs without a key component on their leadoff position. So I think the Braves uh, have a, an opportunity here um, to sort of, you know, rally around another injury. But early in the year, uh, they struggled around this. So we'll have to see how they do with this injury, Tarvin. Well, I think Schaefer is going to replace him. And that guy hits less, about half my weight, which is 185. Divide that by two, Trey, and that's about what you get from him every game. Luckily, they're not in a in a dead race with the Nationals or Phillies or someone like that, the Mets. Luckily, they have 15-game cushion. All they have to do, Trey, is play 500 ball from here on out, and there's there's not going to be a problem, I don't think. Uh, but tell us about G hitting, hitting Hayward. Do you think that was intentional at all? Is there a small chance, just a small chance that that was intentional? I, I don't think so, given the situation and uh, given I mean, I know there's some little bit of, you know, a little bit of, uh, I guess, animosity between these two teams, but I just didn't think the situation and it, or the reactions in any way. I mean, we saw the the, the really sincere apology. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't think there was any intent at all to hit Jason Hayward. I was I was giving Smelly a little grief on Facebook earlier, saying it was intentional. But you know, you you could try to brush somebody back a little bit, but. If you notice, Hayward kind of stepped in it a little bit, and this was just a freak accident. I mean, you saw Strasburg try to hit someone, and he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. He tried three times to hit someone, and he couldn't. So you're telling me that he tried to hit him in the jaw or right in the head and did it. I mean, I'm not going to buy that. But if you're, you're 15, 20 games out of first, you're not going to be hitting someone intentional. But also want your thoughts on A-Rod. You know, since he's come back, it's, it's like people are beating him. And the other night we saw Dempster – you know, hit A-Rod, and, and Girardi comes out and gets ejected. The funny thing is, Dempster gets suspended five games, which he's not even going to miss a start and find $2,500, and Girardi was fined more. Trey, I mean, David Ortiz comes out, the Boston Red Sox, the teammate of Dempster, and says he didn't agree with that. Do you agree or disagree with David Ortiz not standing up for his pitcher? Yeah, and that kind of surprised me. I, I thought that, you know, it's one thing to come out and say, you know, you know, to make some neutral statement and back your pitcher, but don't really, you know, agree with the decision. But to to say he didn't agree with Ryan Dempster, and then to say, hey, we're we're getting chased by the Rays, we can't really afford to lose guys, that kind of stuff. I mean, certainly that is, you know, the perspective. I think you want to keep the eye on the playoffs, but at the same point, you know, to me, when I heard that statement, I was like, oh yeah, David Ortiz is probably on steroids. That's the first thing I thought. I mean, Tarvin was, was this guy. <laughs> Me too. Doesn't doesn't want to doesn't want to criticize a guy on steroids because he's been a guy in his career who has been rumored to be around steroids a bit. I mean, he's been on the precipice of many steroid stories. So maybe that's why. I, I mean, that's still. I mean, you know, I'm not you know accusing him, Tarvin, but I am saying that you know that's where my mind went. 
You know, it would be funny if David Ortiz come out and said, yeah, I support him hitting A-Rod. He deserves it. And then next month it comes out, David Ortiz is suspended for steroids, and he's going to come back up in the batter's box. Yeah, that's the first thing, Trey, that came to my mind as well. I mean, I go back to the dugout incident where he, he hit the telephone, the dugout telephone, a thousand times with a bat, still had the anger inside of him to try to charge the umpire. Uh, David Ortiz is probably juicing. I mean, if I had a guess about it, and that's why he said that, why else would you go against your teammate? Boston's one game ahead in first place in the East. I mean, why would you even say something like that to cause any kind of discord on your team? That's concerning to me if I'm if I'm the Boston's manager there and the and the coach. So, I mean, David Ortiz is going against one of my top pitchers here. That's concerning, Trey, especially when you're one game up in the in the pennant, really. Yeah, and you know, to sort of uh, give the other side of what Paul's saying in our chat room, he says Ortiz, Ortiz is known for being an outspoken uh, person. But there's one thing to be outspoken, and there's another thing to to take that position. And I understand that A-Rod is not without friends. I mean, there are certainly some people who probably still uh, support A-Rod even through all of this. But to be on the arch rival of the Yankees, and you have a Yankee who's really cheated his way through baseball and A-Rod, and then have your pitcher go after him, you know, because of a varying reasons and then not support your pitcher. Uh, that is a, and that's a different per- perspective and a different position than I, that I expected from a team leader. Yeah, exactly. That's some good stuff. Hey, welcome Stephen Nall in the chat room. I haven't seen him around in a while. Just wanted to give him a shout out. Um, we'll be announced in the chat room in just a few minutes. But Trey, just because A-Rod cheated and now he's back in baseball and the Major League Baseball is allowing him to play. I mean, is that a right to go out and throw a baseball with a guy, honestly? Well, I mean, is it a right? No. I mean, certainly you don't have the right to throw at a baseball player really in, in much of anything. But there are unspoken things in baseball, as you well know. And, you know, this is that whole battle that we've been talking about between players who uh, perhaps disagree with those who have used steroids and feel like they've been cheated out of contracts and they've been cheated out of home runs. And, you know, as some pitchers have said, man, this guy took me yard while he was while he was on the juice. And, you know, and some people feel like that cost them contracts and that cost them money. You know, the guy who juices takes money out of somebody else's pocket. So you can see why as a starting pitcher that you might want to put a ball into somebody's head. Yeah, I mean, hit them in the butt or something. Don't throw with their head. And, I mean, here's the deal, Trey. Here's my rule. If you throw behind somebody and you miss them, if you're throwing at someone and you miss them, wait till the next at-bat and do it again. Don't sit there and continually try to hit someone and look stupid. I have a problem with the fines that were handed out to Dempster, uh, five-game suspension, Trey, not even missing a start. That's a problem I have with these suspensions. I mean, if you're going to hit somebody with a suspension, at least let them miss a game. And then the fines less than the freaking coach that goes out to defend his players mm-hmm. that got hit. I, I have a problem with that. I mean, is baseball really sending a message? That, I mean, I guess that they're supporting what Dempster did in a way. Well, I mean, I don't know if they're supporting. I mean, he's going to miss five games. That's a normal. Uh, that's a normal starting pitcher, you know, for throwing out a guy. That's a normal suspension. Normally, that will bump you at least to start because you know five games you lose that you lose one start. Um, you know, if the Red Sox are losing a six-man rotation, then you really can't. Um, you know, that's, that's just different, you know. So, I mean, I, I think that you got the normal suspension for throwing at somebody. 
All right, staying in baseball real quick, and we're this show's dedicated to football tonight, but we do have to talk a little baseball since the pennants are, are heating up. What do you think about Ryan Braun coming out, Trey, and admitting to using steroids? Well, I mean, <laughs> again, this is a half-hearted um, apology from Braun. He didn't really address why his name was on the biogenesis report from 2012. I mean, he didn't address anything, really, honestly. I mean, you know, he, he kind of apologized to this this um, the people who believed in him, and he apologized to this collector who he tried to ruin his life. But it seemed half-hearted to me. It seemed very disingenuous. And then there's also the fact that you know he didn't even address this whole 2012 report that has his name on it, saying he owed you know he owed Bosch fifteen hundred dollars. And and what was he what was he owing him fifteen hundred dollars for in 2012? If this was only 2011 stuff, so. Uh, just another reason to disbelieve Braun. I mean, if you're going to come clean, you got to come fully clean. Yeah, and, you know, to say, I don't know if anybody has ever watched the movie Braveheart, but if I was a Brewers fan in the organization, I would tell Braun the saying from that movie, I'll let you come back if you'll bend over and kiss your own butt. If he can do that, Trey, I would let him back in. That's the only way. Yeah, I mean he he's got he's got to come clean fully. I mean, you can't do this partial. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to talk about part of it, but not all of it. I mean, it just if you do that, it comes off as very disingenuous. It comes off as very um to be honest, it comes off as a lie. I think that's the way it came off. Yeah, I mean, I do not like Ron Bryan. I do not like A-Rod. And it's not because they use steroids. It's because of the way they've gone about this. Once they've been proven, really, that, that they've done it, the way they've accused other people, the way they never took ownership. If I was Ron Braun, honestly, after the way he, the fool he made of himself and, and did that guy, I would publicly go apologize to the man that I tried to ruin his reputation. I wouldn't apologize to the fans or anybody. I, I mean, I think they understand it's half-hearted, like you said. But if I wanted to make things right, I would call that guy and apologize to him and beg his forgiveness. But other than that, that's all I have to say about that. But Ryan Braun, he's a scumbag, guys. I mean, I don't care what you say. A-Rod's a scumbag, and I, and I hope they, they did not have successful careers anymore, Trey. I know that sounds bad, but, hey, that's the way I feel. Oh, I mean, you know, the way you feel is the way you feel, man. Yeah, exactly, and... The Dodgers are hot still. Kershaw's cruising. Puig's doing okay. I mean, the Dodgers aren't going to be caught in this division. And, Trey, we'll do some more baseball mm-hmm. later. Uh, but in closing in baseball, the Braves have to find some kind of, you know, fill-in for Hayward, someone consistent. Because Hayward is a big part of that roster. Even though he hasn't hit very well this year, he went out with an appendectomy earlier in the season, they need somebody to step up and take ownership. Schaefer's a, a fast outfielder, but Trey, I worry about his bat. But we will talk about that. So let's move on a little bit. Real quick, some updates in college football, Trey. Uh, I don't know if this surprises you. I'm a little surprised that Bob Stoops at Oklahoma named Knight the starting quarterback mm-hmm. over Blake Bell. What are your thoughts on that real quick? Well, I mean, this is – and for those of you who don't know Oklahoma football or don't know who – um, you know, Blake Bell and Knight are. Knight's actually the guy who uh, they actually had on the squad in Oklahoma last year when they were trying to find somebody on their team to be Johnny Manziel uh, for the bowl game. It, it was it was Knight. Knight was the guy who 
uh, was supposed to be Tony, or excuse me, Johnny Manziel. So he's sort of in that mold. The big knock on him is the fact that some people think he doesn't have a very good arm. And so one of the things that was a little bit of a surprise was, you know, Blake Bell looks a little bit more polished, um, but they really must have seen a lot from Knight in the preseason or in the in the, in the fall practice in his arm strength to target because that's been the big knock on Knight is this guy doesn't have the arm strength to throw the route. He's a great runner. You know, he's a, he's a fast kid, but does he have um, – the speed, or excuse me, the arm angle necessary, and the arm strength to to win to win college football. Exactly, and, and I, I thought the same thing. I think Oklahoma made the best decision in the world by doing this. You can still bring Bell into certain packages, third and shorts, third and threes, and let him run the football. But you need a leader in the Big Twelve that can throw the football and move the ball down the field. I just think you're exactly right on that. And I just wanted to touch on that real quick. We will talk some college football in just a few just a few minutes. I wanted to bring that up. But Trey in the NFL, Joe Flacco, the best quarterback in the NFL, is playing against a, a not so good Panthers defense tonight. He's making the the Carolina Panthers look like the '85 Bears tonight. Well, I mean, I, the Panthers D is going to be improved this year. Watching this game, actually, uh, you know, I didn't realize John Beeson was back this year. He's he's going to be good for them. Uh, they drafted, uh, you know, the kid of the Utah. And so the defense looks improved tonight for the Panthers. Um, but, you know, it's still the preseason. So I'm not going to put too much stock into this game. Look, I'm going to put stock into a quarterback playing in the preseason, Super Bowl champion, making that kind of money, throwing it right to defenders. I mean, he's already thrown a pick six, and then he just threw another one. And this is Carolina, Trey. This is not – this is not the Bears. This is this is not the Giants. It's not the Steelers defense. This is the Carolina Panthers defense, and yet it could be improved. We'll have to wait to the regular season. But Joe Flacco, guys, if you have him in your top 20 of quarterbacks in a fantasy draft or anything, Trey, I think you, you may be – you have a loser this year. Yeah, I don't think Flacco's going to win a lot of fantasy football games. But, I mean, <laughs> just to kind of put some perspective on, on a game like this, I mean, Buffalo is 2-0 and in the preseason. And, you know, I, I'm not, I, you know, so is Cleveland, Tarman. I mean, I don't know I don't know if you're putting <laughs> stock in preseason games. Um, and I get it. You're a Cam Newton, you know, supporter. You, you follow <laughs> him on to the NFL. And so you want to take every single – you know, nugget of possible goodness and turn it into something. But, you know, I, in the same respect, you know, I, I can tell you that Carolina right now is just as good uh, as the Cleveland Browns. So, you know, good on them. I don't think I'd go that far now. But, no, I'm not talking about the, the Cam Newton or anything. I'm talking about Flacco. And I'm the one that said the other night, don't put a lot of stock in the preseason. I think defensive players and stuff barely play hard and everything. But here's the deal. Defensive players aren't playing their full, and they're still picking you off. And they're still – I mean, you're a Super Bowl champion. You're making more money than any other quarterback just about in the NFL, and you're throwing pick sixes. I do look at stuff like that. I'm not saying that if Baltimore loses, they're screwed for the rest of the year, but I do look at quarterbacks' performances because they're not in there much, and when they're in there, they need to make it count. And so, wow, Flacco, Trey, I could be right on this one. Well, I mean, you know, Tarver, I'm not, I'm not saying that you're wrong on Flacco. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not a Flacco supporter. Um, <laughs> I, I was sitting there trying to figure out, trying to put me in the Flacco seat, and I was like, is he, 
Is he saying that I'm a Flacco supporter? Is that what Tarvin's trying to insinuate? I, I see what, now I see what you're doing, Tarvin. It took me a second to figure it out, but I am definitely not in that boat. So not uh, <laughs> nice. Was is worthy. I didn't draft him any. I'm not gonna. I don't plan on drafting him any fantasy football draft. I would Trey. If I was you, I would take him. I would build <laughs> me your quarterback and and then and then take him. But staying in the NFL, Aaron Hernandez indicted for murder today, Trey. I think this is gonna get a lot more ugly than we, than you think it's gonna get, or people saying. I think this is gonna get bad in the next few months. Well, he is indicted for the murder of Odin Lloyd. Uh, so this is, you know, this is the start of the taste of things to come, if you will. Uh, this means that the government, you know, and they allegedly have found the murder weapon now um, in one of the killings. Um, so, you know, this is the start of the government. They believe their evidence is. So we'll, it's going to be an interesting trial. It's no matter when it happens, Carmen, it's going to grip the sporting world because you have a guy who played for um, the Patriots who, who – now claim they are America's team. Uh, he was supposed to be the star with, you know, all the Gronkowski issues, and, and now look at him, you know, in pre-trial confinement for, um, you know, possibly three murders. I mean, Jesus, uh, how how good does Gronk look? To, I mean, Gronk looks like a saint now compared to Aaron Hernandez. Exactly. We'll follow that more closely once it once it keeps breaking. But here's a story. Uh, I mean, it didn't shock me or anything, but this is late in the preseason trade. This is where the quarterbacks really start, especially the third time. And, uh, excuse me, what was that noise? Is that me or you? Uh, I don't think it's me. I was on, I was on mute. So. Okay. Um, but, you know, this time of the season, you want to get your starter actually some repetitions. You want your starting quarterback working with the first team, but – the Jets have announced that Geno Smith is going to be starting for the Jets this next game, Trey, and he's been getting, you know, a lot of reps with the first team. Are you reading anything into this? Is Smith going to be the starter in your mind? Uh, I mean, I think that, you know, the Jets are looking for something other than, um, you know, the butt fumbler and Mark Sanchez to start. Um, But, you know, I, I'll be honest. I think if if they start Geno Smith early, early in the season, it's going to be a desperate move for a team that really isn't looking all that great this year. Um, oddly enough, you can, I think you can honestly say that Mark Sanchez to start the year is probably their best option because Geno Smith. I mean, as we saw in the preseason the other time, he threw like four or five picks, and this guy is not NFL ready. Yeah, everybody's telling you to mute your cell phone in the chat room, man. Just let you know. <laughs> Here's a Jets team, Trey, that, that honestly, if they win four games this year, I would die probably. I mean, this is how much stock I have in this team, and I think we've talked about them. Do you really give them a chance to have any kind of success this year, even if Geno Smith works out? Oh, no. They're not, I mean, not a postseason. And don't worry, gang, in the chat room, I, you know, Checking the phone now, so, but yeah, no, no, uh, no chance, Tarvin. No chance of Juno Smith to make the play- the payout playoffs. No chance of Mark Sanchez. Trey, I'm calling your wife after the show and telling her some Hooters girl keeps texting you during the show. I don't know what her name is. Well, you know, actually, Tarvin, you know what you know what it is. It's, it's fantasy football updates. So just so you know, I'm constantly, I'm constantly, you know, trying to help this show out by getting information about fantasy football for you guys. 
Well, if only if it would correspond, only if it'd work out on the field for you during the season, though, man. Well, I'm sitting here laid back, still going to win the Super Bowl this year, no problem. <laughs> right, right. Just like you lost, just like you lost last year. Didn't didn't I finish ahead of you last year? Oh yeah, yeah, I did. Wow. Uh, no, I made the Super Bowl. No, I lost in the Super Bowl. I'm the Buffalo Bills, but yeah, you know, yeah, that's it. right. You you are the Buffalo Bills. I forgot about that last year. You're the Buffalo Bills, losing every year. I think I've only won three or four Super Bowls. I can't remember. I can't keep up with them. My rings are full. My fingers are full of rings right now. Uh, but I, I still owe you money for fantasy football. So I, you need to call Guido and tell him to stay off my case. It will be coming soon. No, man. He's, he's going to be showing up at your house tomorrow morning. All right. Well, I mean, here it is, guys. It's uh, it's college football time. Seven days away. We're gonna to go to a commercial break real quick, and when we come back, it's time to it's time to rock and roll, guys. So get ready. It's calling number six four six seven one six five five six four. We're gonna start previewing with Florida State. We'll be right back. Have you ever seen a picture on the internet and just think to yourself, "I'd love to have that on a shirt," or maybe you'd like your company logo on a shirt? Well, Actionwear Screen Printing is the place for you. We'll print whatever design you want on any surface you desire. Just give us the idea and we'll make it happen. For more information, message us on Facebook or call Tony Williams at 817-891-6819. Actionwear, where your design comes to life. We are back. And Trey, seven days away, like I said, from college football time, man. Just think, nine days from now, I'll be in Jordan-Hare Stadium. You know, trying to hopefully we'll get a win this year, maybe more than three. But I was hoping, you know, start off one to know this year. And and looking at your team, the Florida State Seminoles. I mean, this it's a very tough first game you start off with, and then you get a bye week, man. Talk about your Florida State Seminoles. What are you expecting out of them this year? Well, I think Florida State. I mean, and in Florida State's still in limbo, by the way, Tarvin. We're talking about a team who still hasn't named a starting quarterback, and I get that we all think it's going to be Winston, but you know, this team still hasn't even decided on a quarterback, and I don't know if that's a good or bad thing yet. I don't know if, if – I mean, it seems to me that if, if Winston was the guy who had progressed so much and was going to be the next Johnny Football, which I think, you know, you see every program now trying to find a young athletic quarterback and, and fit that mold, if he was that guy, I think he'd have been named the starter right now. So it, it, it gets me a little bit of a pause when I think about this year – for Florida State, and I, I think it might be a year of, of a little bit of rebuilding versus retooling. Okay. Florida State, and, and is it concerning to you as a fan that you haven't announced the quarterback yet? Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, I, I think if you have um, if you have a team and you have a quarterback who is, is just, as, you know, as good as he can you know, be and he's the next coming of the greatness, however you want to put it, um, you know, I think by this point, I mean, we are a week away. I mean, Florida State's first game uh, is September 2nd on the road in Pitt. And we haven't even, you know, we haven't even named a starter yet. So uh, being this close to the starting of the regular season, uh, I think that's problematic uh, when you have two different guys still splitting carries and splitting reps with the first team. And, and you know, everybody's, Banking on Winston, and, and the format tonight, we're going to break them down real quick, and then we're going to bring on some experts of the teams. Florida State tonight, we have Jonathan Miklos. He's going to come on and talk some Florida State with us. For Alabama, Sonia is going to come on, Sonia Minton and Chris Melly. So 
So we're going to take your calls and get your opinions. But Trey, when you start, a, when your your whole team is expecting a freshman quarterback to lead them, that's that's tricky. You know, it worked with Manziel. He was a redshirt freshman. I think Winston is a redshirt freshman, correct? Yeah, I mean he's a he's a redshirt freshman, but you know something to think about. And you know, I know you know Mick Lewis may have a different perspective than I do on this, but. Yeah, he's a guy who missed a lot of spring ball too because he was—he's a great, actually a really good young pitcher as well for the baseball team. So he was, you know, pitching into the tournament for the college baseball World Series. So this is a guy who wasn't devoted fully to football, and and that's partly I think the reason why he hasn't been named the starter because I think he's probably still learning the playbook. Uh, that's why you know Jacob Coker is still hanging around, who is a uh, who's actually a little bit more advanced than Winston is when it comes to being on the team in an extra year. But you know you're talking about um, you know a guy who's still who's still finding his way, and you know you can't find your way, especially when it comes down to road games. And he starts off on the road, so if he's the guy, Tarvin, I mean he's gonna have to to get good very quick. And you know, talent's part of it, but you got another playbook. Well, Trey, I mean I'm, I think Winston is gonna be a good quarterback. You have to put him out there for his athleticism, but. Flipping over to the defense, in your opinion, I don't think you ever really liked Stoops, did you, as the coordinator? It just seemed like the, the team, the defense didn't respond very well to him, did it? Well, no, I, mean, I liked Stoops. I mean, Stoops was a phenomenal coordinator. He was frustrating at times, but, I mean, he put together some really great defenses. I mean, Florida State's defense turned around, uh, you know, from a team that had dropped off uh, a national spotlight to a team that was a top ten again. Uh, the problem with, with, with Stoops is sometimes his defenses tended to give up big plays to really poor talent. And I don't know what that was, if that was you know, poor preparation or, or just a lapse in the players, but there seemed to be a, you know, there seemed to be some of that going on at Florida State. So we're going to have to see, now that Jeremy Pruitt's there, you know, how he's going to coach this defense. From what I understand, it's going to be a far more attacking, aggressive uh, defense that's going to lend itself to more sacks, but sometimes those defenses lend themselves to more big plays. So, We'll have to see how Jeremy Pruitt coaches the defense. I mean, this is a defense that only has four returning starters. So a lot of these guys are rotating in last year, Tarvin. But that, you know, when you're the guy who's not rotating in necessarily to breed somebody out, you know, to, to get them their air, now you're the guy who's on more downs. It's a different story. They have the talent on defense, especially on the front four. Um, but, you know, these guys have to go out there and prove it. All right, Jonathan is with us. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Winston. Your quarterback this year. Give us your thoughts on him real quick before we start breaking down that schedule. Um, I, I love I love Winston. I think the world of this kid. I you know I, athletically, I think he's better than EJ Manuel, and everybody raved about EJ Manuel's athleticism. I, I'm really excited. Winston kind of reminds me of Charlie Ward and the kind of build he has and the maturity and the way he's come along. And let's be honest, guys, he wasn't the number one high school quarterback prospect for no reason. I mean, we walked into Alabama and stole him from Saban. You know, so obviously this kid has talent because Saban doesn't recruit garbage. Yeah, I mean, that, that is a good point, but here's the deal. I mean, there's some Kyle Frazier, that's all I'll say. But yeah, but I'll, yeah. But, I'll tell you, but I'll tell you this, though. I think I think Fisher and Saban have a – have better quarterbacks in mind that they can develop better than Chiswick can. So I will say that. But I, I will say I like Winston, guys. I really do. I think you have to put him out there because of his, his athleticism. And, look, the playbook is, is complex at times. He can learn it. Let me tell you why, Trey. And we're going to go over this schedule right now. 
four games, I mean, hell, I'll say five games. You don't even play a team, really. And we'll start off, Trey, at Pittsburgh September 2nd, buddy. Tell us your thoughts about going on the road in a hostile environment at Pitt. Well, and, you know, Pitt, uh, you know, for those of you, Pitt played pretty tough last year against some of their better opponents. They're a team who kind of uh, outkicked their coverage at times. Uh, and they're they're kind of a, a sort of a sneaky, scary team to play on the road. And, it, and it's not as if if this was a road game in the middle of, you know, October or September on a Saturday, it's less imposing. But because this is the first game of the year, because more than likely we're going to see Winston starter, uh, but, you know, I still think we, we end up could seeing some sort of dual quarterback role with Jimbo Fisher, too. I mean, it's not as if Jimbo Fisher um, has said he's opposed to that. So, I mean, you actually could see Coker in here, too. So, I mean, if you have any kind of quarterback, um, you know, inefficiency going on or Jimbo Fisher still can't make up his mind or there's, you know, playbook issues and you're on the road on a, on a Monday, um, you know, this is just an odd, odd day to play a football game. You know, it's the crazy things happen at the beginning of the season. So it is it is a scary game for Florida State. I mean, Florida State should win this game on talent alone. But, I mean, this could, with a new quarterback, this could be, this could be a, you know, a nightmare for Florida State if they lose this game. I don't think they will, Tarvin, but, I mean, you know, crazier things have happened. Well, I think it would be a, a disaster for Florida State if you put Winston in that game and he doesn't succeed. I mean, you can't pull him out every time he makes a mistake. You have to leave him in, especially on the road at Pittsburgh. They should win, like you said, talent alone. But if every time this kid makes a mistake, you jerk him out and put another sophomore in, I think you're going to kill the guy's confidence in a way. I think I say you leave him. You're sold this year with this kid. You do not take him out of the game. Winston is your quarterback, whether you go 1-11 and or what? Because I don't really think your backup Coker is that special either. I think Florida State needs to develop this kid. And, and Jonathan, any chance of an upset against Pittsburgh? You know, the last time we played on Labor Day was against Miami, and we won 13 to 10 thanks to a couple of bobbled snaps. Uh, that was that was a beautiful game. It felt like great retribution. I think Florida State wins this game by uh, at least two touchdowns. Pittsburgh's just in such a huge overhaul mode uh, mode this year, losing so many starters, uh, that I think Florida State's defense smothers that Pittsburgh offense. And, you know, we talk about how Jimbo is opposed to using a dual quarterback system, but if memory serves me right, in 2007, Jimbo wasn't too opposed to it when he threw out Drew Weatherford and Xavier Lee and Devontae Richardson in the same game. Now, do I expect him to do it? I don't, and I hope he doesn't because I think we saw Virginia Tech do that experiment with Sean Green and Tyrod Taylor, and it's out to be a disaster. We need to pick one and stick with it. That's how you uh, create a true leader of your team. Yep, I totally agree. And the next three games, guys, you know, I'm not. we don't really have to break them down, but Trey, you have a bye week after Pittsburgh. I mean, what's up with that? Who's making this schedule? Well, I mean, that just comes down to, to scheduling and that kind of stuff between teams. But, yeah, then, Jonathan, the point I was trying to make was is that, that Fisher wasn't opposed to doing that, and if that come out correctly. But that was my point is, is that I'm not so sold that we're going to see Winston and Winston alone this year under Jimbo Fisher. So, I mean, talk about Coker real quick, Tarvin. I mean, this this kid actually is pretty talented. He's a big kid. Um, mm-hmm. and he's got a pretty big arm. He's actually really mobile for a guy who's like, I think he's like 6'6". Uh, and he's you know, 235. So he's a big dude. 
Uh, he actually, from Mobile, Alabama, for those of you who, who know Alabama football, this was another steel kid. He was a you know, guy who could have gone uh, to the Alabama schools. Uh, so he's a big guy, got a big arm, and it's actually pretty mobile for a guy who's 6'6". Six, six. So uh, you know, I'm, not, I'm not so sold that you know, he wouldn't be that great. You know, we just haven't seen it yet. But you're right, Harvin, going into the next game, having a bye right before Nevada is less than is less than fortuitous for us, Florida State fans, because you'd rather have that bye, a more advantageous game. But I don't see any of the next four games being problematic for Florida State. Nevada, Bethune-Cookman, they're at Boston College. And that's a Saturday game. Uh, and then, then at home against Maryland. I'm not sure that any of those games should be competitive. Yeah, well, I didn't even know Bethune-Cookman had a team trade. What is the – anytime you play a team with a dash in it, you know, Bethune-Cookman, I mean, you're having to scrape the bottom of the barrel to get some competition, aren't you? Well, I mean, I don't know that, I don't know that an Auburn guy should be throwing out, you know, team schedules, but um, Bethune-Cookman <laughs> is certainly not the kind of competition that I'd like to see Florida State play. <laughs> Hold on. Coming up next, Florida State will play Sneed State Community College <laughs> coming up next year. To, to coming from an Auburn here. fan, really? Yeah. Hey, hey, guys. Coming from an Auburn fan. Auburn is not on the schedule tonight. No no mentioning them right now, okay? We're talking about Florida State here. Let me have my phone. Okay, okay. Okay, Alabama. <laughs> okay. Hey, well, I mean, if we're going to go there, we're going to go there. All right, we'll we'll go there in just a few minutes. But October, everybody knows that Florida State's going to be four zero probably. I mean, after September, and then October they play three games. They got another bye week in October after the Maryland game. Trey, I mean, I guess the question in this game is who's going to have the ugliest uniform, Maryland or Florida State? Whoa, 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 whoa. Easy, easy, Tiger. Ugliest uniform? Let's be honest. There's there's only one team in college football whose uniforms are ugly, and that's Maryland. Uh, And that's because they can't even figure out what their uniform (laughs) looks like. Yeah, I know I'd get a rise out of you on that one. But Maryland coming in here October 5th, I mean, do, do they pose any threat of beating a Florida State team with a young quarterback? I mean, Maryland was, they were turning 12 starters. They were 4-8 and eight last year. I hear a lot of people say that Maryland's going to be better and they're going to beat somebody they shouldn't this year. I don't think it's going to be Florida State. I think if they beat somebody they shouldn't, it'll be like North Carolina or somebody like that. Uh, I don't see Maryland uh, posing a threat to Florida State this year. And I'm sure Jonathan doesn't either, but, but this is the game. You know, they get a bye week, Florida State, October 19th. They go to Clemson. And and this is the game on their schedule. And I think they have three very tough games. I mean, they have Clemson, Miami, and Florida. Those are always tough games. And really, Trey, in order to make a national championship run, you're going to have to win all of them. So let's let's start with the first test on the schedule. At Clemson, you know, you have a freshman quarterback going on the road against a senior in Taj Boyd that has been through the the struggles and the ups and downs. Give us your your thoughts about Florida State going on the road and playing this uh, this conference rival here? It's going to be a tough one. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I think Florida State desperately uh, hurt them last year was, you know, their schedule leading up to Clemson. I mean, they played Murray State, Savannah State, Wake Forest, and their defense had given up three points to that point. And they looked like they were going to be uh, be able to shut down Ty Boyd, Timmy Watkins, the whole team, like they were just going to 
really shut them down. Well, they gave up 37 points, and of course Florida State won the game 49-37. But you know that offense was it was a more secure offense under EJ Manuel. So you know this year again you have you know other than Pittsburgh you have four sort of you know pancake teams. And here it comes, you know, they're going to be on the road this year against Clemson, and then you know, Taj Boyd is a year better. I, I don't like this matchup for Florida State, and this is the first loss on Florida State's schedule that I have. I just think that, you know, with Taj Boyd coming back, with this game in um, or at Clemson, I think it's probably going to be a night game uh, on Saturday, October 19th. And I just think um, that with uh, so much riding on this game, I think Taj Boyd, you know, we, you and I both have them beating Georgia I think they're going to be riding high, and they're going to have played uh, a tougher competition. They're going to, their team is going to be a little bit more gelled by that point. Uh, they're going to take advantage of a young quarterback at Florida State uh, and, and beat Florida State. And, Jonathan, you know, looking at Clemson's offense, the high-octane uh, offense with Taj Boyd, it's a concern to you, isn't it, only returning four defensive starters on the road at night? This could be bad. No, that doesn't worry me. It doesn't worry me. Our defense doesn't worry me. Uh, a lot of those guys played at the end of last season. I mean, most of these guys we're going to see starting this year were the ones who started the Orange Bowl, the AC Championship, uh, you know, against Florida. Uh, what worries me about this game is the fact that it's in Clemson, and we haven't won in Clemson since 2001. We've lost the last five up there, and some of those games have just been nightmares to watch. I honestly believe Clemson's, you know, even though we have a bye week going into this, I have a really strong feeling Jimbo finds a way to screw this up like he did against North Carolina State, and we lose this game. I'm taking Clemson to beat us by at least seven, uh, if not more. And I think this has nothing to do with the quarterback play. I think our jitters, if we're going to have any, come against Boston College because they always play us tough. I just think Clemson, you know, they're just they're more experienced um, yeah. where it matters. And that, that's what it's going to come down to. And this game terrifies me. I'm dreading it. Uh, I probably won't even be around that week. Yeah, I like I like Clemson guys at, at home. And I, I really think this is Clemson's season to make a run. If they do, that's another question. But I think they beat Florida State by a couple of touchdowns in this game at home. I mean, that's a big deal playing at home in this one. And they understand, too, how big of a game this is. Florida State understands how big of a game this is. Would it surprise me if Florida State pulls an upset? No, not at all. But I think Clemson, just with Taj Boyd at quarterback, remember Sammy Watkins out there at receiver. I mean, Morris runs on offense. It's high octane. You have a young defense out there at Florida State. They're going to get rattled. Taj Boyd's a veteran, Trey. I think all of us in the panel has Clemson, right? Yeah, and Tarvin, you know, one of the things, too, and I guess if you're talking about the possibility of an upset, is the possibility that maybe Clemson – or at least Florida State, uh, if they're able to blow out their competition, Tarvin, to start to start this season, and they're able to not show Clemson all of what Jameis Winston is, then maybe they surprise that that defense at Clemson a little bit. But other than that, I'm not I'm not so confident that Florida State has a shot in this game. Yeah, and then you know that's one loss if they have it, but it's so important for Florida State. I don't think a one loss ACC team makes it to a championship, but you know the next mm-hmm. week. A little revenge game, Trey, for NC for Florida State. NC State's coming into town. You remember last year, Florida State had a very comfortable lead, and they just went into like a shutdown mode, prevent mode on offense, didn't move the ball, and they came back and beat them. That really could have cost Florida State a chance to play at a national championship, don't you think? 
Well, yeah, I mean, I think obviously went into the Florida game and, and blew that as well. But, I mean, the NC State game was a huge defeat for the program, I thought, because it really took um, sort of that whole national exposure for the state's back on a national scale and kind of took it down a little of a peg. I mean, they still made a BCS game. They still won a BCS game for the first time in about 10 years. So, I mean, I think they took a step forward in the program, but it wasn't as big a step forward as I think a lot of people thought Florida State was. So I think in this this game, I think this is Jimbo Fisher's chance to really motivate his guys. If they're coming off that loss to Clemson and they're facing a team that, that beat them the previous year, 17-16, to 16, they, they should come back in and focus against the Wolfpine and really take out some of that anger um, and, and blow them out. Even though this is sort of a sandwich game in between Clemson and Miami, so it is a little bit dangerous, uh, Florida State better come in this game and Jimbo better have them very motivated. Jonathan, you giving them any chance to beat Florida State? Florida State will demolish North Carolina State, 30-plus points. It's Bobby Bowden Day. He's coming back for the first time. There's no way this team loses that game. There's just going to be way too much emotion there, way too much fire for an upset to happen. Yeah, I agree. I think Florida State wins big in this game, and and that takes us into November. I mean, this is probably a one-loss Florida State team, and they have five games in November, and two of them are tough, in my opinion. So we'll start off the big rival game, Trey, hosting in Tallahassee. Miami comes into town, and this is a an improved Miami bunch. So tell us about this game. Well, I mean, everybody's got Miami, and it's funny because everybody I've heard, oh, Miami's a dark horse uh, in the ACC to win it to win the Coastal. Well, they're not a dark horse if everyone's picking them to win their division, and everybody is. I haven't seen a single you know, a single person who's picked a non-Miami team to win their, their, their part of the ACC. So and let's be honest, they're the favorite in the Coastal. Let's call it for what it is. And, you know, you have Florida State, who's not the favorite in their division. So and they're going to go into this game, I think, with a, a big chip on their shoulder because, you know, Miami – could very well be undefeated by this point. We talked about their schedule. We talked about how uh, we think Miami is going to be pretty good this year. So this could be a game that Florida State's hosting at home, Tarvin, and they, they might be the underdog. I have breaking news coming out, guys, and this is uh, speaking of timing. Jamie Winston suspended for the first four games of the season for using performance-enhancing drugs. Trey, have you heard this? <laughs> I've, I've heard it from <laughs> you and no one else because it doesn't exist. <laughs> Okay, I was just trying to easy the easy lighten the mood up here, Trey. I don't think college tests for that. If that if 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 that was the case, Alabama wouldn't be able to play a game. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll I mean, be able. Doing hormones is not bad for sure. <laughs> I'm joking, uh, Jonathan. Miami Hurricanes. Is this going to be a contest like people are all the experts are saying right now? It's going to be a fight. It's going to be a dog fight. Uh, it always is with Miami. It's just a rivalry game. Um, you know, I, I think because it's in Tallahassee, we win, you know, even though there was a stretch for a couple of years, about five, six years, where the road team was winning the series. But with Florida State winning the past three, this game being at home, we, you know, we have Wake Forest the next week. So it's not like we're looking ahead. I think this is where uh, we get Miami. I still pick in Miami to win the Coastal, but, I, I you know, it's just hard to pick, pick them in this game. It's going to be too tough for defense was too rough last year. I mean, it was a mess. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're all on the same page on this one. Florida State's at home. They take care of business. And, guys, there's three games in a row at Wake Forest, home against Syracuse, and home against Idaho. 
not even worth mentioning those games. So we're looking at a one-loss Florida State team going into Gainesville on November 30th, Trey. This is a huge rival game, out-of-conference, the only out-of-conference game either team plays. So give us your thoughts on this one. Florida State wins this game possibly. I mean, what does it mean for them? Well, I mean, yeah, not the only out-of-conference game that Florida plays, because Florida plays Miami this year. But, um, you know, this is obviously a matchup that could have a large uh, say in, you know, whether Florida State or whether Florida, how far they go in their seasons. Because, I mean, they're, they're, at least Florida is a possible pick to make a national championship game. So the fact that this is at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, this is in the swamp, I just think with the young quarterback, Florida State, uh, Jimbo Fisher's had Florida's number, let's be honest. I mean, last year was Jimbo Fisher's first loss at Florida. Um, the, I think if I'm, if I'm correct in my stats, correct me if I'm wrong there, Jonathan. But uh, So Jimbo's been pretty good against Florida. You know, last year was a was a setback because it was a home game and Florida came in and won 37-26. But this is not the team that I see, uh, unless, unless Winston has just sort of lit the world on fire, um, but, you know, I, I just don't see Florida State winning in the swamp with a young quarterback. Jonathan? Yeah, sorry, Trey, we differ. Um, I think Florida State's going to go into that game with uh, on a mission. I mean, shades of 2003. That This game is going to be ugly. That this is, this rivalry, The rivalry between Florida State and Miami is like a brotherly rivalry. Rivalry between Florida State and Florida is like Haskins and McCoy. This is ugly. I think this is a game where Florida State comes in. Jimbo's had Florida's number. Last year was his first loss as a head coach, and I think he wants to get that loss back. All right, because last year, let's face it, that, that, that was a terrible game played by Florida State, just ugly. Five turnovers, that should never happen. We're not going to turn the ball over five times again. Florida State's defense can be flying all over the place. Jeff Driscoll. I just do not have any faith in Driscoll. If Driscoll was Chris Leak, I'd pick Florida. But Driscoll is like 10 Tebow in that preseason game against the Bucks. So I, I definitely have to go with Florida State here for instance, 11-1. All right, 11-1. And Jonathan, man, before I pick it, I just want to say thank you for coming on and, and giving us your expertise on your team here. 11-1 would be a great season. Uh, it still might not be enough to get them into the ACC championship game, which is pretty bad. If you go 11-1, and one, you should get there. It just depends on what Clemson does. But, man, thanks for coming on, dude. And we'll see you. Stay in the chat room, and we'll see you on the next show. Trey, I'm going to go with you on this one. I'm going to actually pick Florida in this one. I think the Swamp is a tough place to play, especially, I mean, look, he's not a new quarterback really anymore. This is his 12th game. But I just think that defense of Florida, I think the offense of Florida will be better this year, actually. I think it'll be a close game, but I think Florida will pull it out in the end. And that puts Florida State in your record, what, 10-2, and two, mine 10-2, and two, and Jonathan 11-1, and one, correct? Yeah, that's right, Harvin. Well, I mean, is 10-2 going to be enough to get you into that ACC championship game? No, I, I don't think so. Uh, I think Clemson's going to be in the – is going to win um, – is going to win the ACC this year. Uh, I just, you know, with Taj Boyd, being a senior, uh, I'm not, not saying that Florida State isn't still progressing as a, as a overall program, but uh, just too many young guys, uh, especially in the skill positions. Florida State also has lost a lot of receivers uh, in the fall practice, and they're, I mean they were really deep to begin with, but they've lost they've lost about three or four guys. So you really can't when you're losing skill positions like that. It's tough. 
So I just think uh, when a quarterback like, like Winston has been playing baseball, uh, maybe some of the guys he has bonded with throwing the football are now not going to play because of injuries and things like that. I think that's that's a recipe for a quarterback to have uh, some growing pains in the year. So that's why I'm picking Florida State to lose a couple games and not win the ACC. Well, that's a that's a good pick. I think Clemson's going to win the ACC. I think they're going to probably they're going to lose one game in conference, and Florida State's going to lose one game in conference. The difference is Clemson beat them. They'll have the the head-to-head tiebreaker. So when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about a, a team trade that is is just building a dynasty. The Alabama Crimson Tide. I mean, they're going to be going for three out of four, right? Or is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's that's just unheard of, and I'm acting like I don't know that, which I do. Trust me, I know everything about the Tide. So when we come back, we're going to start breaking down the defending champions. Family reunions, school names, sports logos, custom designs. Actionware screen printing will do all of that on whatever you want. Hats, shirts, shorts, pants, and much, much more. Embroidery, printing, decals, it doesn't matter. Just give us the idea, we'll make it happen. For more information, contact us on Facebook or call Tony Williams at 817-891-6819. Actionware, where your design comes to life. All right, we are back. And Trey, I mean, when we talk about when you think when you hear Alabama, I mean, what do you think of right now? Well, I think with Alabama, you think of uh, pretty much they started a dynasty. Um, and I think the only thing you can say when the team wins as many games and is winning national champion uh, in a very brief period of time, we're talking about in four years. They've, they've you know, their seniors. Uh, I, I saw the joke on Facebook, Tarvin, that their seniors have won more championships than Auburn ever won. Um, you know, joke yep. aside, that's, true. I mean, that's I mean, it, I get it. It's a joke. It's a dig, but and that tells you how good their program is. You know, they have seniors on that team who've won more championships than entire schools have in their hundred-year history. I mean, that's that's saying something. Well, you know, Trey, and and when you talk about Alabama, I mean, when you talk about national championships. I've watched college football a long time, and, and I'm telling you, no matter how good of a team you are, it's hard to win a championship. It's hard, and you've seen Alabama, too, in the, la- the last two years, you know, they've lost the game, and that's how tough it is to go undefeated. They've lost, and they've come back in, and you see them when they play in that championship game. It's not even a contest. I mean, that's how good of a team this is. You look at it every year, it's like, okay, Alabama lost, uh, eight players or whatever, they're going to struggle. And the guys that come in were better than the guys that departed and went to the NFL. That's what happens when you recruit like Nick Saban does. And he doesn't miss too much, Trey. When, when it comes to recruiting, his recruits are usually spot on. And I think that's a big reason for their success. But, yeah, I mean, and that, and then Nick Saban knows how to um, sort of take advantage when, when things go his way. I mean, he's a coach who doesn't butt up. He knows how to focus his team. So uh, this is a team who hasn't struggled um, to win the games they should win. I mean, this is they haven't gotten beat really uh, by a, a really you know what you'd say is a subpar opponent. I mean, the, the teams they've lost to uh, during the season have been really tough teams. I mean, you lose some of those games. So he's also taken advantage of being able to motivate a team who really, um, honestly, Carbon, I don't know how you motivate a team who has three rings. Uh, so we'll see if, if Nick Saban can do it. I mean, you have a quarterback who's won three times. So 
So, you know, if you I can mean, motivate this I, team, I would be motivated. I would be motivated well, enough I could do something that's never been done. And and the thing about playing Alabama, just, you know, watching them play over the years, is they don't make mistakes. So if you beat Alabama, you have to, like Texas A&M did last year, what you have to do is jump on them, and you have to hold on for dear life. And it, it's just the way it goes. LSU almost had them last year. They couldn't hold on. They didn't have what it takes. And Texas A&M, honestly, Trey, they got lucky. I mean, they jumped on Alabama 20 to nothing, and they held on for dear life, and, and they held on and won. So the problem with beating Alabama is you have to play a perfect game, and you have to hope that they have a down game, which doesn't happen much, and that's because of Nick Saban. I think that first year he came in, the 6-6 six and six record, uh, he sent a message to everybody and let them know this is, what it, this is what it's like to be mediocre. And then when he started winning – they got the championship against Texas, and then the next year, I think you're right. I mean, this is where he, he had the team not as focused. They had some injuries. But that year uh, was the year, I think, the turning point for Alabama. It really – Saban used that trade as motivation and fuel, and ever since then, it's just been hard to beat him. Yeah, and, you know, an interesting thing, if you think about Alabama, Carvin, so this is one of the things I'm going to ask the chat room and ask you about is, you know, even though they're back-to-back national champions, Alabama has lost a game at Bryant-Denny Stadium each of the last two years. So does that does that cause you concern, Tarvin? They may lose a home game this year. I mean, they lost a home game each of the last two years. No, I mean, it, it just shows that the competition they played. LSU two years ago, I mean, Alabama was off their game. And I'm not making excuses for them, trust me. Uh, they were off their game, and LSU was on it. I mean, that's a tough team to beat. And A&M last year, after the LSU game came in, and, and they just got jumped on early. After that 20 to nothing trade, if you take that away, I mean, Alabama wins in a landslide. I think you learn from that stuff. If you're Nick Saban, you teach your guys this, hey, no matter who you play in the SEC conference, or anyone for that matter, do not take them lightly or this will happen. And I think he's going to have their focus and attention this year, and I think that's what's going to pay dividends for these guys. Nobody wants to be the team that that drops the ball for Alabama. These guys coming up and, you know, the sophomores, the freshmen, the juniors that are coming in to finally get to play, they don't want to be the guys that screw it up and makes Alabama look bad, Trey. Yeah, I mean, I do think there is something to this, though, that they've lost home games over the past couple of years, but, I mean, legitimately, you know, looking at their schedule, I mean, this is, again, another good schedule for Alabama. And they, they don't catch any of the hard teams in the East. Uh, and, and, you know, Nick Saban knows how to, knows how to take, take that schedule and make the best of it. So, um, but you also got to look at, you know, those people who are saying, you know, Alabama doesn't play anybody, they've been playing in the kickoff classic, and they've been playing real opponents. I mean, Michigan last year, um, you know, you can say, oh, well, they blew out Michigan, and Michigan wasn't any good. Well, Tarvin, I mean, Michigan is a is a when they when you book these games years in advance. I mean, Michigan was a good a good team to book. I mean, Virginia Tech, this game was booked you know years ago. Virginia Tech was a powerhouse. Uh, so you know you gotta you gotta give you know saving credit. He goes out and schedules these games. I mean, it's West Virginia next year, so who knows how good they're going to be? Well, he does this for one reason and one reason only. I mean, recruiting. He schedules these games, and when he's on that trip, he's recruiting these kids. But Imagine you're you're sitting with Nick Saban anyway. I mean, Alabama recruits itself right now with Nick Saban, but to, just to know as a player you're going to be in a, 
a big-time position to play in a big spotlight the first week of the season, Trey. I think a lot of teams, more teams, need to take note on that because it does attract attention when you have a big opponent schedule. Yeah, I mean, and obviously Michigan was a was a big opponent in name only last year. But the fact is, is you know, it's not – it's it's easy to to, to tear down that, that that game and say oh it doesn't matter it's not a good game, but it's a different story when you're scheduling these games years out. So you know, I give Bama a lot of credit for going out and scheduling these opponents out of conference. I mean you can't schedule you know four uh, Virginia Techs out of conference, Tarvin. I mean you don't you just can't do that. And so there's going to be some light parts of the schedule, but I, I give them a lot of credit for scheduling this Virginia Tech game. Yeah, and, and we'll start with that. We're going to get Sonia on here. She's going to go over the schedule with us, and uh, we're going to be moving through it. And, Trey, I mean, first game, Virginia Tech, neutral site. I think the entire Virginia Tech team is, is the mash unit. I think some of the cheerleaders are suiting up for Virginia Tech to build a squad. What do you think about this game? Well, I mean, unfortunately for Virginia Tech, I mean, the only shot they had was to be healthy and catch Bama, you know, with some trick plays. But, unfortunately, in Virginia Tech, it's kind of like the walking wounded. They've had so many injuries. And it's kind of, you know, you never want to have that happen to a to a team that you're going to face, and you want to beat them with all their streak. But, you know, for Virginia Tech, they're going to go in this game with not all of their starters healthy. They, in fact, they have just a, a bunch of a bunch of guys out. I mean, it's just it's kind of um, kind of gone under the radar, and the Virginia Tech lost so many guys uh, to this point already. Uh, but they're going to lose even more carbon because they're going to get blasted in this game, and it's uh, it's not going to be close. It's going to be very reminiscent of the Michigan game we saw last year. I would expect Alabama to be up 21 nothing very quickly. Hold on, I want to bring Sonia on to her intro. <laughs> Hold on, here it comes. We hear my intro. I will. I won't do that to you. Oh my ears! <laughs> oh my god! Oh no, my Sonya. ears! Hey, I, oh I, god! I, I had to. I had to do that for you, Sonya. I had to do that for you. <laughs> well, hey, that's the only time you guys have an opportunity to do it, so <laughs> might as well go ahead. <laughs> hey, I can't. I can't argue with you on that one. Uh, Virginia Tech first game of the season. I mean, kudos for Nick Saban scheduling a game like this. But honestly, it's not going to be a game, is it? No, <laughs> I really don't think so. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Trey pretty much broke it down. It's it's going to be, you know, fun to watch, but. For a quarter. Yeah, for a quarter or two. <laughs> you got to bring my boy Smelly on now. You got to have two Bama fans on here. I'll get him on. Give, yeah. give us your prediction on this one. Give, him your, give us your prediction on this game. That we win. <laughs> It'd probably be like another. Uh, they might get one in. I'd say 42 to 7, maybe. That's about right. I really don't think Virginia Tech is going to do anything. Yeah, Bama's going to be in the 40s. All right. Well, I'm going to get Smelly on. Chris, uh, welcome to the show, big Bama fan. Give us your your thoughts on Virginia Tech this year. Any chance they have to, to come in and make it competitive? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, they're losing. They are lost, though, what, like four players so far. Uh, two on. Got three on defense, and that's the biggest thing was defense. So with them three being gone, I think it was Marshall, Van Dyke, and uh, some other guy, cornerback, 
being out. And I, don't, I think we will crush them, to be honest with you. We kind of like a new Michigan last year. All right. I, I agree with that. And I'm muting some people. I'm just muting lines to see if some little noise I got coming on. Trey, it's a panel. All four of us pick Alabama to take care of Virginia Tech. And, I mean, that's not a surprise. But Alabama, like Florida State, gets a bye week after that first one. And I think Alabama did this intentionally, actually, just to have a chance to prepare for that spread offense going on the road to Texas A&M. What do you think? Well, you know, I mean, this game is so hard to predict because, one, no one knows whether Johnny Menzel is going to be playing or not. And you know, love him or hate him, he changes the nature of this game. Uh, you, know, you can say all you want, and I've, been tr- I've heard guys on ESPN try to convince me or convince you know, other people that, you know, that Texas A&M has a backup quarterback who can beat Alabama, and that's just not possible. Uh, they, they don't. And so the only shot that Texas A&M has in this game is if Manziel plays. And I'm not of the mindset that if you have Manziel and he's healthy and he's playing, that Texas A&M is going to get blown off the field. I don't that, that's, I don't think that's going to happen. But I think that Texas A&M is going to be, you know, an underdog in this game, even though they're at home, even with Manziel. So, Tarman, he's got to play for them to win this game. Hey, Sonia, with or without Manziel, I mean, let's, let's, let's just say he does play in this game. What are your thoughts on it? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it does not matter. Bama will – this game is circled on the calendar. It's been circled since last year. It's – you cannot expect Bama to have their only loss from last season. You can't expect them to not be looking at this game with – there's no we might win, we could possibly win. It's we will win. Yeah, That's the I mean, bottom this line. Is, this is big. I mean, saving in revenge games. I mean, this is something that Alabama has been thinking about, Smelly, ever since the last year, even though they won that championship. You know Dick Saban and, and Chris. You know he's been thinking about this game. Give us your thoughts. Johnny Menzel playing, of course. What are your thoughts on this game? Any chance you're giving Texas A&M, even though they're at home? Um, with Menzel playing, I still think Turner's been marking this game on the counter here, but he will give us uh, – Texas A&M will give Alabama a run for the money. I mean, that's the – I think that's the second hardest game on the schedule if Menzel's playing. So I think it'll be a good one still. I don't think we're going to blow them out like some people think. But uh, I think it's going to be a good game. But Alabama comes, on, uh, comes out on top. Okay. Well, Trey, I mean, this is a panel. I think, honestly, I'm, I'm hoping Manziel plays and because I want to see the point spread come back on that board. Um, I think Alabama is going to be favored, you know, not as, not as much as people – I mean, I guess more than people think they should be is what I meant to say. Um, this is going to be a game totally dominated by the front line of Alabama on both sides of the ball, in my opinion. I think Alabama is going to be able to run and throw Trey all over this A&M team. The defense of Texas A&M, if you watched them last year, they struggled, and they're going to struggle even more with some key losses to the NFL. I like Alabama big in this game, and when I say big, I like them by three touchdowns or more. I know, Trey, is that too much? That's what yeah, I, I think it. I think with Manziel, it's too much. Um I mean, the the problem with Texas A&M is, is they have four guys returning on defense. And, and you know, if you're Texas A&M, uh, you're not to the point where you can lose so much talent 
on one side of the ball and, and be okay. I mean, they, they just don't have the depth that they had last year. So I think Alabama is going to wear them down. And I know we have a show next week. We're going to preview our Heisman uh, front runners. But I'll tell you right now, one of the guys on my list, Tarvin, is T.J. Yeldon. And I think that it's because of games like this that Yeldon will put his um, sort of his stamp on the Heisman possible voting because you know he's going to be able to find running room. I mean, Bama lost a ton of talent on the offensive the line, but they have a ton of talent replacing him. So I just think that Yeldon's going to find room in this game, and that's going to be the difference. Is Alabama's going to find room between the tackles? Well, I mean that's a good. I'm glad you brought this up. I wasn't going to mention it right now, but I think Nick Saban wants to reward A.J. McCarron a little bit. He's going to get his wins, of course. Don't get me wrong. He's, he wants to win. But these receiving courts that he's built around A.J. McCarron, uh, I think he's going to feature A.J. McCarron this year. And you don't see Nick Saban do that much. I think this year A.J. McCarron is going to be airing it out. And I think he's the one that's going to be getting the the highlight, you know, more the focus and getting the attention. So, so watch out for that. That's just a thought I had. And the next game, Colorado State, he did this for his good buddy that was offensive coordinator, Trey. And I wanted, we won't talk much about Colorado State, but no chance, right? No. I mean, you know, Bama, I think if Bama loses the game, it is going to be at home this year, but it's certainly not going to be the Colorado State. All right. Well, we'll go to the, the September 28th game against Ole Miss. They're hosting Ole Miss for the second season in a row. Ole Miss comes in. You know, they're not under the radar this year like they were last year. Give us your thoughts on this game real quick, and then we'll move to Sonia. Well, I think this game has a possibility for an upset. I mean, Ole Miss uh, has a lot of guys back. They have a lot of talent back. And they have a lot of guys who are recruited very highly. Uh, You're talking about 18 returning starters, 10 on defense, 8 on offense, and a lot of these really top talent guys that they recruited in are actually not getting registered. They're actually going to play. I mean, so – we're going to see some of this young talent at Ole Miss play. And the thing about young freshman talent and this, this team at Ole Miss is they might actually be able to still surprise Alabama with some of the, the, the speed on the field they're going to be able to put on there. Is there going to be enough, Tarvin? I'm not going to call that right now. I'm not saying Ole Miss is going to win, but I'm saying I think this is going to be a competitive game. But Alabama wins by 10. All right, Sonia. I mean, last year they came in, people say they played y'all good, and y'all beat them by 30, I think, somewhere around in there, 24 to 30. What are your thoughts this year back in Tuscaloosa again? Uh, I think it will be a good game. We beat them 33 to 14. They tried to it, – it's like they tried to hang the first quarter, but if you notice, after halftime, we just wore them down. They could not hang, and I just don't see that changing with the addition of one or two, you know, one or two people. I just really – Ole Miss is, is headed in the right direction, but they're going to walk away from uh, B. Denny with a loss. Yeah, I mean, Smelly, I mean, this game, I think Ole Miss is still a couple of years away of having recruiting classes like they did this year to, to be able to go into Bryant City and win. What are your thoughts on this one? Uh, definitely. They, uh, their schedule is brutal anyways. By the time they get to Alabama, uh, they're, that one class is not going to – make them that much better than what people are thinking. So it's going to be the same thing as last year. It's going to be, you know, probably over by the uh, second quarter, you know. It's going to be one of those top games where you flip it to another game. But, uh, at least I hope that's the way it goes. We'll see what they're made of, though. Well, I mean, we all have Alabama right now at 4-0, and September is over with, and nobody's really surprised at this. 
Trey, we go to October. They play Georgia State October 5th at Kentucky October 12th. I mean, we, we can talk about Kentucky a little bit, going on the road with Stoops. I mean, tell me what the point spread is going to be on this. I guess we can talk about that. Well, it's going to be a lot. I mean, this, uh, it's going to be 20, 30 points, uh, and they're going to cover it. I mean, I don't see this Kentucky Wildcat team. I mean, what Stoops is doing in Kentucky with recruiting is pretty impressive. Uh, but, I mean, these guys, it's not like Ole Miss that have has some talent already in the cupboard, and the talent they brought in is actually ready to compete at an SEC level. The guys they brought in at Kentucky still have a lot of maturation to do. So this is not a team that's going to be very competitive this year. They're going to be better than they were last year, but, I mean, this is still a blowout, Tarvin. Yeah, and October 19th, Arkansas comes into town, and this is interesting. It's not because Arkansas is going to be competitive. It's because this is their head coach's first game, Trey, in the SEC after talking all that smack in the years past. Uh, tell us what Saban does to Arkansas in this one, Trey. Well, I mean, I'm actually kind of interested in to see what the offense is going to look like for the Razorbacks. The more I've heard about them, the more I've been actually keeping up with them last week or so, um, I'm actually a little intrigued to see if this team is going to be a team that's a little bit competitive or that it's going to get blown off the field. I mean, they're not ready to compete at a high SEC level. I mean, I don't care what Brett Bellum is doing. They're just not ready talent-wise yet. But, you know, Alex Collins, the kid who they got from Florida State this year, is a running back who can actually compete right now. Uh, but I'm not sure they have a line that's ready to block for him or any quarterback for that matter. So I think Arkansas gets beat pretty handily. Sonia, I mean, I know, I know you're, you're going to enjoy this game. After I know in years past you've talked about Philema, the way he's running his mouth about the SEC. Do you think Saban takes it easy on him, or do you think he runs up the score if he gets a chance? I think he puts the pedal to the metal and welcomes Brett to the SEC the way he should be. <laughs> That's what I think. I, at least I hope he does. I really want I really want him to to welcome him to the conference that he just when you know when he was up at Wisconsin he was talking all that smack. So okay, well <laughs> tell you what, come down here and play with us. And now he wants to be part of the SEC brethren. So let's welcome him the way we should. Yeah, he's gonna get welcomed. All right. Hey, Darvin, this is Jason. Hey, Jason. Saban's going to basically uh, show him exactly how far he needs to come to compete. Yeah. That's and that's about 40 10. points. <laughs> about 40 points. Smelly, I know I know you're probably thinking about licking your lips over here, thinking about Arkansas coming into town. I mean, what, what are you going to are you going to put a 24-point spread on this one at least? Oh, yeah, the first half. I mean, it's going to be ridiculous. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't even know what – I usually keep up with all the other teams, and Arkansas, I don't even – I can't even tell you who the quarterback is right now because, I mean, they're just so far changed since the last – since two years ago that I don't even keep up with them anymore. And unless they got something, unless Brent brought something with them that I'm not worried about, uh, aware of, they got no chance whatsoever. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement on that game, and – and this next, I mean, it starts getting tougher now. I hey, mean, Tarvin. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Tarvin. Just before you move on, I, I do want to say this about Arkansas. And at, uh, people have a quick memory. And if you recall last year when we were doing all our previews and everybody else was, the SEC West was a three-team race. And everybody said, okay, it's Alabama, LSU, and Arkansas is the third team. Well, of course, they fell off the map last year, and Texas A&M became that third team. But, uh, you know, don't, don't, let's not act like they weren't um, just a year ago. 
considered at least a competitive team in the SEC. So I don't think they have as far to go as some people give them credit for. So just watch out for Arkansas improving very quickly is all I'm saying. Well, if you look at their depth chart and you look at people they've lost with injuries and and just people graduating by attrition, I mean, Arkansas does have, in my opinion, a long way to go. I mean, they're returning three on the offense. The defense is returning, but that that was terrible as well. I think Bobby Petrino really screwed this team over and then hiring that idiot to replace him for a year. I think that put the program back. I think it's going to take three years to get them playing, to, to be able to compete in the SEC West. That's what I was trying to say. Uh, they're still a little wild away. And, and let's move to the next game here, guys. The Tennessee yeah. Volunteers come into town October 26th. And, and I know Sonia is going to take it easy on Tennessee in this game. So I'll let her start her preview on the Tennessee Volunteers right now. Give us your thoughts on this game. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. When, when I look at the schedule, <clears throat> there's always, and Jason, Jason can back me up on this, I never overlook Tennessee. I remember 2010. You know, they, they've been, you know, bad couple of seasons, past couple of years, but they've got a butch in there now and all the good things I'm hearing from Tennessee. Tennessee always, it's like Tennessee is the LSU of the 80s where they weren't doing that great, but just every once in a while they could just step in and play spoiler. I mean, they almost got us, you know, if it wasn't for Mount Cody. So, you know, I, with Tennessee, I'm gonna. Of course, I'm gonna choose Bama, but with all the things that I'm hearing, I think uh, unless they they start out the gate and they just fall flat, Tennessee might bring it. I mean, yeah, I mean they tend to trade play Alabama better in Tuscaloosa. Sometimes they they seem to be that team that that gives Alabama trouble, especially when Alabama is on top. What are your thoughts? Oh on yeah. That? That's why you can't overlook them. With, with Tennessee, it's like I would love to sit here and say that, you know, we're going to just roll all over them, but you can't ever do that with Tennessee no matter how bad they are. Tennessee is one of those teams that they can just show up on a Saturday and mess yep. up your game. So, but I'm still picking Bama. Like, <laughs> all right. Sonia picks Bama. Trey, who are you liking this game? Well, I mean, Tarvin, we talked about Tennessee and the fact that they are going to be coming off a murderous schedule. I mean, they are going to get beat up so bad. They play, uh, I think, the toughest schedule in the SEC, or maybe even in the country, Tarver. I mean, Tennessee plays a just a rough schedule, and it's going to really take a toll on Tennessee by this point. So, Bama is going to be far healthier, far far deeper, uh, and it's going to show in this game. I think I saw your score about 34-13. to 13. I think that's a little generous. I mean, this could be a 41-14 to 14 game. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a, a lopsided game, but I do think Tennessee will come in early, and I think they'll play. I think depth is still a concern. Smelly, I mean, give us your thoughts on this game. Is Tennessee going to be competitive? No. Uh, like like you just said, the schedule is ridiculous for them. I mean, they uh, go to Oregon. I mean, Oregon, they go to Florida, then Georgia, then South Carolina, and then come to Tuscaloosa. I mean, there's, there's just no way they're going to uh, – compete without them this year. But Butch Jones is the right choice. I believe they're going to get better now, finally. But this the first year is not going to not going to do anything for them. It's going to be like the last seven or last, yeah, six of them. Except for uh, 2009, yeah. like Bonnie said. That's the, I don't think that's going to happen with this squad, but we'll see. Bob picking Alabama. 
Well, Chris, I'm with you. I, I think he's a perfect hire right now, perfect fit for Tennessee. He's going to get them headed in the right direction. We all remember Coach Lett coming on the show talking about him. I think that coaching staff has a vision what it takes to get Tennessee back to where they need to be. It's going to take them a couple years to get their recruits. And if you look at recruiting right now, and I know it's early, they're uh, top in the country right now, and that's just for right now. But that says a lot. New coaching staff coming in, hasn't even played a game yet, uh, Trey, and that, that speaks volumes of them. So we all have Tennessee losing this game, but watch out for Tennessee in the near future. And that takes us to November. This is when it gets exciting in football. This is where the races heat up. November 9th, Trey, LSU comes into Tuscaloosa. And if if it's anything is advertised in the past years, this is going to be a dogfight. Yeah, I mean, and here uh, this game is the one that I mean Alabama's schedule is just so light this year, and I'm looking at this game, and you know I've heard so much on LSU. I've seen and read so much about LSU, how they are far deeper than we thought they were, and people you know shouldn't sleep on LSU and the the loss of all that talent. You know, you and I have already broke down LSU, and it's got me rethinking what I think about this game, Tarvin. And, and you know, my question keeps coming down is is Mettenberger good enough? I mean, we saw him in the Alabama game last year, and it was the only game that he looked like a competent quarterback. So, you know, Tarvin, I'm not sure what that was, but um, just, you know, that's my question, Tarvin, is if if, if Mettenberger plays like he did last year, then this could be a surprising LSU game. I mean, so, you know, I just don't know what to make of Mettenberger still. Uh, and I'm still not so sold on LSU, but this this is a game that I, I have a flip of a coin, Tarvin. I'm going to flip it for Alabama right now, but um, man, this game should scare you for Alabama. So that 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 noise was Mettenberger trying to get on here and, and talk about the game, but you know that game last year was in in Baton Rouge, and I'll give him credit; he played his best game of the year. But Sonia, LSU coming into Tuscaloosa, I know you have to be worried a little bit, right? I, um, that that's the biggest game. That's the one that circles. Um, the, both teams are off the week before. They both have a bye week, November second. So I'm looking at that one like, okay, I'm glad it's a B Denny <laughs> at least. We're dealing with Les Miles. Yeah, but that's yeah, that's that's our ace in the hole. If if Les is play calling, then no worries. Yeah, Les. <laughs> but Les of course, I'm going to choose Bama. That, but that's really... going to be um, that's going to be one of those nail biters. I'm not going to be turning the television. Put it like that. I don't think so. All right. All right. So Sonia's sticking the the tide. Smelly. Uh, I know you're concerned about this one. You can't even lie about this one now. Yes. Yeah, uh, probably the one most uh, most. I'm going. Hold on. The one I'm most concerned about. But uh, they only return four on defense, and I think that's going to be the key right there. Uh, I think with Alabama's offense being as good, I think it's going to be the best offense Saban's put on the field since he's been in Alabama. And I think we're going to expose LSU's defense this year. But uh, but on the other side, LSU returns eight on offense. And some there are running backs. Uh, I'm not the sole Mettenberger right now, but the running backs they got coming back, uh, I think, you know, they're going to, they're going to uh, test our defense. It's going to be the biggest test of the year, no doubt. But, of course, after being Alabama, I'm picking them to uh, win this game too. Yeah, um, Smelly, I'm I'm siding with you on this one, too. About I just feel Alabama is going to come in at home. I just don't have much faith in Mettenberger Trey on the road in Tuscaloosa. 
I think Alabama wins this game by at least 10 points, and it could get a little uglier than that. I think you have a coin flip. I just don't feel that good about LSU going into Bryant-Denny and winning this game. Like Smelly said, I think the Alabama offense is going to expose that LSU defense a little bit. And Trey left Miles as the coach. You know he's going to do about three or four stupid things during that game. Well, I don't think uh, he's going to be coaching the offense. I mean, they, they brought in a coordinator for just that purpose. But, um, you know, the other thing – No, but no, they, got, no they, he, he calls the plays. Though. I mean, he calls whether they go for it or fake punt, fake field goal, onside kick, all that stuff. That's less miles of special. Oh. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when you're talking about special plays, yeah. But, you know, Tarvin, this is where I come back to Alabama's lost a home game the last two years. Uh, so if they're going to get beat by a team, it's gonna, actually going to be at home. They play much better. They're more focused and they're saving on the road. And they tend to, to, to sleep more at home where they get comfortable. So that's why I think LSU has a shot to beat them here uh, because, you know, LSU, everybody's talking about LSU being down this year. And, you know, LSU isn't as good this year. So I think by this point, LSU is going to have figured out an awful lot with that talent. Uh, and, you know, just they're like Alabama in a lot of ways, Tarvin. They, um, the guys who they lose in the NFL, the guys behind them are five stars too. So, you know, LSU does have some talent. And, you know, Jeremy Hill, the, the running back who many people thought should be suspended, is actually another guy who you can look at for possible Heisman if LSU has a good year. I mean, this, this guy is a good running back. I think because of his arrest, he will not be on the Heisman you know, this year they they do have ethics. You have to in a code of conduct that the players have to abide by. I don't think if he he ran for ten thousand yards, they wouldn't they wouldn't give it to him. But kudos to Les Miles for voting him back in. Uh, but but one thing I want to talk about, you know, we all picked Alabama to win this game. Trey has a coin flip. The Mississippi State game on the road. It just seems like every season, Trey Nick Saban costs the coach, you know, their his job. And I think this could be the game that really cost Dan Mullen his job. I think he's going to be tilted right now, and I think Nick Saban comes in and knocks him over. What are, you, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I honestly think that Mississippi State should not fire Dan Mullen. I mean, he's actually won quite a few games there. You really can't expect to be Mississippi State and, and, and be on the, the, the sort of the realm of Alabama. It just takes far too long to build a program up like Mississippi State to any kind of level. Mullen's done a pretty good job, um, but they're going to get beat in this game. Mississippi State is not uh, on an, on the same upswing as Ole Miss is recruiting-wise. So, I mean, yeah, this is going to be a big win for Alabama for sure. All right, Sonia. I mean, do, do you agree with that? This could possibly be the the coach that gets fired this year with a, with a Nick Saban win. Blowout I, I hope not. Okay, I totally agree with Trey. Um, what he's done at Mississippi State, he's bringing Mississippi State up to middle tier, okay? <laughs> he's actually doing some good things down there. For Mississippi State to fire Dan Mullen for losing to Saban, who's the top coach right now, it would be just stupid. It's ludicrous. It would just be a joke. And they, it, it, that, that would just set them back another five or ten years. So I think Bama wins. He keeps his job. And, uh, you know, he just keeps recruiting and he keeps building Mississippi State up so they can be a, at least a middle-tier team in the SEC. I tried to get you and Trey to bite on that. Um, <laughs> Mullen has made a relevant again at least. I mean, he is the mastermind in the Florida offense. I tried to get Trey to bite first. I actually thought he would bite. I didn't think you would, Sonia. So, uh, <laughs> it's great to have Trey there. So, Smelly. 
Mississippi State and the Cowbells, any chance that they can pull off the upset and dethrone the Tide here? No, the same. They play at South Carolina and at Texas A&M before they come for uh, they play Alabama, and they they're just not ready for Alabama yet. And just uh, but uh, I think I think though it's going to be uh, closer than last year. Though I really do. Last year was just a blowout. I forgot what the score was. I know it was like a thirty some points they beat them by. Or forty something like that, but I think it'd be closer. But thirty-eight to seven. What was it? Thirty-eight to seven. Yeah, I think I think it'd be a little bit closer than that, but still, Bama wins by two touchdowns at least. All right. Well, I mean, here we are, November twenty-third. Chattanooga comes into town. We're not going to talk about that, but Trey, I mean, this this Iron Bowl now coming up. I mean, the three and nine Auburn Tigers at home. I mean, any chance they have in this game to make it competitive? Well, I mean, it's a rivalry, so when you say any chance, I mean, yeah, they have a chance. Um, but the problem with Auburn is no matter who's coached uh, against Saban, it hasn't been a great result. Uh, say, they, you know, they have to figure out Saban to sort of be successful in this kind of game. And, you know, we'll see if, if it's miles on. Um, you know, he had some success, obviously, with Cam Newton there, and he was the offensive coordinator, but that's a different story. So, you know, Tarvin, I think they have a shot. Absolutely. I mean, everybody has a shot. I mean, uh, well, not everybody. Chattanooga does not have a shot. But Auburn does. So, I mean, I think it's uh, like going to be an Alabama victory, Tarvin, but this is not going to be a 49 to nothing game like it was last year. I mean, this is an 11-0 team in our book right now. I mean, coming into Auburn, Sonia, and it is a rivalry. Last last couple of years, I haven't felt like it really, but give us your thoughts on this game. You on me, Tarvin? Sorry. Sonia, are you there? Yep. I am now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I can't believe that Trey and I are agreeing so much, but, uh, again, it's the Iron Bowl. Um, We went to the game last year, and and it was just – dude, I'm going to tell you, I was was trying to reach Nick to see if he would, like, just spot you guys maybe a touchdown or a field goal or something. But – um, I think you guys will score at least this game, but nah, there's no way. <laughs> Alabama will not lose that game. Okay. Uh, Smelly, in the house, give us your thoughts on the Iron Bowl here with Nick Marshall as quarterback. Is that going to make a difference? Well, I don't really know how he's going to play yet because uh, I don't really look at his tape from his junior college days, but he's not going to make a difference. Even if he, there's no way he's going to be Cam Newton. If, he, if he's like Cam Newton, then y'all may have a chance. Chance, but no, I think uh, the score will be like y'all do better than last year. It'll be like forty-eight to nothing this year or something like that. <laughs> okay, so 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 Chris, you gave me twenty-four points in Auburn, right? Is that right? I'll give you. I'll give you thirty for a hundred dollars, right? Is that what we had? Oh, oh yeah, what was it, 24? I gave you 24? 20, 24 points. Okay, yeah. So everybody knows that. I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not a proponent of wagering here, but anytime I can I can get 24 points at home, a little. I don't think the line will be yeah. that high. But So I look at this game, guys, and, and I see a team last year that, that quit long before that game, and Sonia said it, I mean, I mean, it's it's so bad that the Alabama fans are just feeling sorry for you. I mean, that that's when you know it's bad. 
and to come back from a three and nine season like that to win an Iron Bowl, I don't think so. But to at least show up, be competitive, and, and show your programs heading back in the direction for recruiting, yeah, I think so. I think it's going to be closer than people think. I don't think it's going to be an Auburn win by no stretch, but. I think they come in in that first half, and it depends on Nick Marshall and how that offensive line does. I think it's going to be better. I think it's going to be closer than people think. I'm not going to say 48 to nothing smellier. I wouldn't put 24 like that. But I think it's going to be competitive up to the end. And uh, I think Alabama finishes the season 12-0 and in the regular season, and they're going to probably play, I think, South Carolina in the championship. So, Trey, you have them 12-0 and as well, right? Yeah, I do. And you know, Tarvin, before we move on, I just you know, wanted, wanted to ask you your opinion as an Auburn fan, and you know the other Auburn fans we have in our chat room listening. Uh, I was listening to an Auburn commentator who's been watching uh, the practices recently. Uh, actually, it was this was um, this was Monday, and uh, what he had to say was that Reuben Foster has been doing very well in Alabama practice, been tearing it up, and it's going to get some PT this year, Tarvin. So. How would you feel as an Auburn fan if, if he gets a sack in the Iron Bowl? And I, I wish him well. I mean, I wish Reuben Foster well. The kid was committed to Auburn, and they fired Trooper Taylor, and and he was devastated. And and whether he was coming to Auburn or not, we don't, we'll never know. But I think the kid's a good player. I think he's going to do very well. I don't wish him ill will. I think he's going to be a a good fit. I mean, he he loves to play football, and I, I would hate to sit here in the media here and, and wish bad on a, on a teenager coming out that's trying to find his way. So I like Reuben Foster. I think he's going to be good. I don't think he's going to play much this year, honestly. I think he's going to have to learn. I think he's going to have to bulk up some more and, and learn the game. It's going to slow down for him. But Reuben Foster is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Tanya, Chris, what do you all think? Tanya, I'll start with you. Mm, what are we talking about, the SEC championship? Foster. <laughs> Ruben, Ruben Foster. <laughs> Good job, Sonia. <laughs> they bored me because I was looking in the um, in the chat room when they were talking about Auburn, so <laughs> I kind of got distracted. Foster, I, I, I pray the kid does well. That's, that's all I got to say about that. All right, Smelly, what do you have to say about that? <clears throat> I've always I told you earlier that uh, him and Liner. I just think they're just thugs. I just don't know what it is. And I want them to do well now. I think Ruth Foster has the skills to do it. But I'm just waiting for him to mess up somewhere. I just feel it. Yeah. Well, Chris, Chris, I can tell you this. What's going to happen this year is is Foster's going to miss a tackle in the Iron Bowl. Auburn's going to win, and he's going to show that tattoo off of his Auburn tattoo and, and turn back to Auburn. It's going to be like wrestling, you know, how you can t- switch sides. Foster could be playing for Auburn next year, right? And then you woke uh, up, right, Darvin? <laughs> well, guys, guys, I want to thank y'all for, and I guess I'll ask Sonia, Chris, y'all think Bama's going to win their third championship in a row? You want to go first, Melly? I want to say yes. All right, Sonia. And I do too. I, I really pray we do, and it would be awesome because in this house. Everybody knows that my husband, Jason Minson, is a, a big Minnesota Gopher fan, and Minnesota right now is the only team in college football history who's won three national championships. So if Bama does it this year, then we've got the only two teams celebrated in this household who've won three back-to-back NCs. So, you know, I hope we do it. I really do. Right. I'm, I'm pushing for the Tide. 
I'm a diehard Bama fan, and uh, we'll never pick against them. So, roll that right. roll. Well, Sonia, Chris, thank y'all for coming on and, and picking them. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna hit the ground running tray Sunday night is our last night of previewing, really talking college football before we actually start picking the game. So you'll come out with a, a list of games that that we pick on way in sports, and you'll have to beat the beat the host here and if you can beat the host you can co-host the show so Trey I'm getting pumped about that I'm going to defend my crown yeah well our crown our crown but uh, yeah you know next Sunday we're prepared to uh, have we'll talk some NFL and then Tartan you know Sunday will be the time that I'm going to ask you the tough questions like you know who is your national champion you know who is your your Heisman frontrunner so be prepared to answer some tough questions and you guys call us let us know what you guys think who is your national champion Matchup. Who is your Heisman frontrunner right now? So um, let's talk about those things on Sunday, Carmen. Well, they said in the chat room just a moment ago, it doesn't, doesn't it seem like Bama fans are bored right now, maybe, with their success? Uh, complacency complacency can get you, Carmen. Exactly. So I'm, I'm not ready to, to unveil my national champion yet, but it's going to be interesting who I have predicted. I'm almost finalized it. Um, Thanks, Jonathan, tonight for coming on. Sonia, Chris, Smelly, uh, Jason. We're going to do the Gophers for Jason. He's not feeling well. We'll do them Sunday night. We'll preview them. And, Trey, we're going to have to do two divisions in the NFL to catch back up. And so I'm, I'm excited about that. But Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, we'll be back on regular time, regular day, regular time. We had to miss this past Wednesday. But thanks for joining us on this Thursday on short notice. Trey, give us your rant real quick before we close up. Well, nothing too big tonight. It's a Thursday, Tarvin, but I do want to—I do want to—I uh, guess—talk about one thing real quick, and that's—you um, know—with everybody looking at your national champion stuff, I do want as much participation as possible. Yeah, I, one of the things that's really cool is I've seen a lot of different matchups, and I kind of like that. So, um, give us your your thoughts this Sunday. Call us in. Let us know who you're who you're looking at in the Heisman, and who you think is going to be playing for that crystal ball. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people will have different opinions, but I think one thing you'll see is Alabama will be in a lot of people's predictions probably. I mean, looking at their schedule, we just previewed it. It's not that difficult, so they should they should go. But every time you somebody predicts, everybody's all in on a team, it usually doesn't end good. So we'll have to just wait and see. But thanks again, everybody, for joining us. And I want to mention last Sunday night's show that we had, Trey, was number, ranked number three on Block Talk Radio uh, the one before that was number one, so we we fell two places, so we need to get that back up. Don't worry, Tarvin. We're going to get there. All right, good. But thanks, everybody, for helping making the show a success, and we're going to let you go tonight, so make sure to tell everybody Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we're going to have some fun. College football is less than a week away when we get started Sunday night, so make sure you join us.